Support for this podcast comes from Frito-Lay in the 2023 Snack Bracket Championship. The Frito-Lay Snacket Challenge is underway, and fans are voting on their favorite snacks to crown champion. We're talking about primetime matchups between the best 64 snacks in the land. Will Ruffles Ridges reign supreme? Can Doritos defend their dynasty? Or will Smart Food use their smarts for a surprise upset? Only you can decide. Get in on all the action for a chance to win up to $1,000 or a year's worth of snacks. Let your snacks be heard. Just go to frito to vote and enter for a chance to win. No purchase necessary. Sweepstakes ends April 3rd, 2023. Void but prohibited. Years worth of snacks awarded in the form of 52 coupons, each good for one bag of chips. See official rules at frito Welcome to the Cannon Cast, a weekly podcast from the Cannon SB Nation's blog about the Columbus Blue Jackets. We have a special guest joining us for this episode. I am William Chase, your host, and joining us are Rachel Buells and Elaine Shercliffe. What's up, guys? Hey. 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 And we also have Blue Jackets insider Jeff Sabota joining us today. You see his writing all over the Blue Jackets website and on Twitter at Jackets Insider. Jeff, thanks so much for taking the time today. Thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Jeff, thanks for joining us. I have a question for you. So tell me about, I I mean, I'm familiar with a little bit of your background. I know that you worked for my hometown paper, the Toledo Blade. But tell me about your path to becoming a reporter, specifically the Blue Jackets team reporter. And then, yeah, just walk us through how, how you ended up where you are. Yeah, it's a little bit of sort of the classic story of uh, being in the right place at the right time and knowing the right people uh, all along. So, uh, yeah, I went to Ohio State, uh, originally from the Cleveland area, west side. Um, In fact, I was just up there today, uh, but back in Columbus right now, uh, enjoying a little bit of this all-star break uh, that we are currently on. So I went to Ohio State for journalism and, you know, just happened to get into covering uh, hockey while I was there. I did student radio. I did The Lantern, which is the student newspaper there, uh, and just got lucky enough to meet enough people and do a good enough job that uh, when I graduated, there was an opening at a place called Buckeye Sports Bulletin here in Columbus, uh, and that is a Ohio State Athletics uh, publication. It's not done by Ohio State Athletics, but it just only covers Ohio State Athletics, and it's a subscription-based thing uh, that gets mailed out throughout the country to uh, subscribers all over the country and, and even all over the world as well. So they had an opening, and just because I had been around and I had done a good job and knew some people there, uh, I was able to get that job, and I ended up spending uh, nine years there, uh, which was a long time. Um, I remember when I got the job, I thought if I'm here when I'm 30, something's gone wrong. And then I worked there, t- there until I was uh, 31 years old. Uh, so <laughs> it was just one of those things that I, I stayed there a long time, but it was a great place to work. You know, I still have a lot of great friendships from that. Uh, became the editor of that and ran that publication the last two years uh, that I was there. And then just eventually kind of had to do something different. So as you mentioned, the Toledo Blade, I ended up uh, going there for a little bit. Some of the people I had known covering Ohio State were working there. So I had an in uh, and they needed somebody to work on the digital side. So I went up and did that for two years, and then the sports editor retired, and they uh, hired a new sports for editor, 
And he ended up uh, not taking the job at the end of the day. And so they looked at me and said, well, you want to be the sports editor? And so uh, I did that for a year up at the Blade and kind of got back into sports, which was really fun. And it was cool to be around uh, the Toledo walleye up there and the mud hens mm-hmm. and all that stuff uh, uh, that you're familiar with up in Toledo as far as sports goes. And then Toledo uh, has the worst sports <laughs> team's names. <laughs> Super unfortunate. Walleye is like fine, I guess, like the Lake Erie tie. But like, what the hell's a mud hen? Yeah, well, you know, it's history. You can't change it now. Uh, you know, right. it, it is a bit ridiculous, but yes. But it was still fun uh, to do that for a year. And then I was just looking to get back to Columbus. And when this job was open, kind of the same thing to where I knew enough people, people like Allison Lucan that works over at The Athletic and, and Porty as well, and Tom Reed. Uh, I've known them forever and some people in the organization as well. Like uh, uh, my boss, TJ Ansley, uh, was, you know, good friends of a friend. And uh, Russ Mollahan, who's in broadcasting with the Jackets, is someone i known forever. So I uh, just kind of, you know, the, the, had the ties there and interviewed and got the job so that's kind of the uh, the short and long version i guess uh you know it, it no it's good to know the right people and build relationships uh and that's the thing i always tell and when people ask me how they how i got to this point uh that's a big thing because you know there's a lot of good people out there but at the end of the day uh you're a lot more likely to get a job if you uh if you know somebody and, and you build those relationships and so that's kind of what i did and i uh, was lucky enough that when the job was open at the right time i was able to take advantage nice perfect um and then wait i want to also ask how you're personal experience with playing hockey I believe you're a goalie right did that like tie into or was that just fortunate that that's what did you start covering hockey with the lantern I did start covering hockey with the lantern uh back when I was uh uh the for, well, first student radio, and then uh, when I was working for the newspaper. But it's actually, uh, it's not a sport that I played my entire life. I only picked it up. Um, I, I did like intramurals at Ohio State, which is just people who can barely skate. Uh, right. But uh, yeah, I actually really first started playing hockey on a, on like a rec league team when I was 28 years old. Uh, so I, I've always been a hockey fan. I've always loved it. Going back to the days of watching the Cleveland Lumberjacks up in Cleveland, uh, I, it's always been my favorite sport to watch, but I had just never played it. And then, uh, you know, finally when I was 28, someone got me on a team, and, you know, I love it. Uh, I do play goalie, which is fun because, uh, it, you know, you, you have to be a little bit weird to be a goalie, I think. Uh, <laughs> so uh, I always enjoy that part of it, but I skate out as well. So it, it's fun to do, and, you know, I think it at least gives you – a little bit of an understanding of just how hard it is and just, you know, what these guys go through on a regular basis, because I've been playing now for seven years and I, yeah, I'm still terrible. And you know, the ability that these guys have, it just blows your mind how good they are. Uh, so it's, it's good to have that perspective, I think. Hey Jeff. Uh, so what is it like writing for the official blue jackets team website, as opposed to maybe an outside media outlet And what would you say you might like, or even dislike about the arrangement? I love it, actually, and it, it's something that I'm kind of glad that I was able to get into, just from the aspect of, of, of the, you know, the ties in the organization and meeting the people there. I, I love going to work every day as far as the people I work with. The people I work with closely, uh, and, and Rachel knows a lot of them as well in the digital media department, uh, you know, I really enjoy working with them, uh, but also, you know, just the entire organization. Uh, it, it's really fun to, to kind of see how it all comes together and kind of see just what it's like on the inside. I, I think that's kind of been invaluable to, to really learn what it's like for this job and so it's it's a little bit different obviously um you know there's def- some definite perks there are some uh definite things that are different i would say than working for a newspaper i've always been much a much better writer and probably feature writer than reporter so i think that kind of it suits my strengths really well because this is also kind of what i was doing covering ohio state and that you know we even though i wasn't employed by the university uh it, a big part of what i was doing was writing things that were uh, kind of, uh, I don't want to just say positive, but you know we were, we were catering to Ohio State fans, and so we weren't out there trying to necessarily
necessarily, uh, you know, reinvent the wheel or, you know, try to break the news that was going to bring down the program, so to speak. So I think I've kind of trained for this job my entire life, and it just suits my strengths as far as, you know, the feature stories and trying to get to the personalities behind uh, the, the team and, and the people out there uh, and just finding different stories that are that are unique. And I think working for the team really helps with that as well. Uh, like the story I did earlier this year where I spent a day with Ian Huffman, the, the guy that, uh, the ice technician for the Blue Jackets, and kind of learned what it was like uh, to make the ice happen. You know, that's someone I've, I've seen at work on a daily basis now for the last year. Uh, so I think it just kind of helps inform the stories a little bit better. And so I like it. I'm sure there are some people that would not really like it just because of, you know, the, the fact that you do work for the team and there is some editorial control there. By and large, they let me do what I want to do. They, they trust me to do it. Uh, and, I, and I think it makes a better coverage, at least for me, because it, it just kind of leads to, uh, uh, you know, it really highlights the strengths of what I do. And, and I think it works out well. I definitely love checking out your game previews and different uh, feature articles, too. So I like what you've been doing. I appreciate that. Thank you. So, Jeff, what's been the most challenging part about covering the team? And what have you learned from working for them on a nightly basis? Ooh, that's a good question. I mean, I don't know that there's anything that's that's too challenging about it. The thing that kind of blows my mind, though, is just like the uh, uh, the fact that I get to do this. Like sometimes I wake up and it's like they really let me not only be around the team and, and do this, but they trust me to do it. And, and it's it's the NHL. I mean, it's, it's this is the highest level of hockey. And I mean, these are people from all over the world, especially with this team where we've got right now, I think it's nine different countries represented uh, between guys on the active roster. And it's like, it's incredible that, you know, you, you build the relationship with these guys and you go in the locker room every day and then they're willing to talk to you. Uh, it, I, it, that's kind of hard for me to believe as someone who grew up, you know, as someone who grew up in, in Lorain, Ohio, uh, you know, not really expecting uh, to ever have a job like this. It, it, it really is kind of crazy. Uh, and especially someone who grew up with social anxiety, which is, you know, I think a lot of us uh, these days do. But, you know, I, I'm not exactly the kind of person growing up who went out of his way to talk to people he didn't know. And now it's like I walk into an NHL locker room every day. And that's kind of crazy to me. Uh, so, so I'm not really answering your question. But, you know, I don't know that there's really anything that's too difficult about it or, or too surprising as far as that goes, just because I kind of I kind of knew what I was getting myself into. And I kind of knew what the, uh, the the job description was going to be. And, and, you know, I've been doing this for, you know, I, I started this student newspaper at Ohio State when I was 20 years old. And I'm 35 now, so I've done this for 15 years. So, uh, you know, at, at the end of the day, it is inexplicably, somehow it is my job. And I guess I'm good at it. They keep me around. Uh, so, uh, <laughs> so I think it's a lot of fun. And it's just, you know, the, the fact that people trust you to tell their stories and, and will talk to you about things like that. You know, that never ceases to blow my mind that these guys are willing to do that. And, and I think it speaks to really the, the credibility of just how good a guys that, the, that are on this team. Uh, you know, you look around that locker room and there's no one that you go, oh, my God, I got to talk to this guy today. I mean, but, you know, by and large, you walk in there and, and you know, they're 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 good pros. Uh, they've got good personalities and they're fun to talk to. And that, that makes the job so much easier. Uh, if there were people that were difficult to deal with and, or people that just, you know, if the culture was different, I would say it would be a much more difficult job. But at the end of the day, uh, you know, the people in that locker room make it really easy on you. And you've been uh, you've seen all three leagues play the ECHL, the AHL, the NHL. What are some of the differences you've noticed between the leagues when you've been covering them? That's a good question. It's just how fast they can do do things at the NHL level and just how they can do everything at top speed. Uh, and the passes are just so good. Uh, and it's just so crisp. I mean, it's it's uh, I loved covering the walleye uh, when I was in Toledo because it's, it's a big deal there. I mean, it's it's they sell out a lot of games. Uh, people in Toledo care about hockey. It's a great atmosphere to be there. Uh, but the level of the hockey, you could just tell, was not quite the same as the NHL level. And that 
to me, still, you know, it was still fun to be there, and it was still fun to cover, and still fun to be around. But yeah, yeah, those the passes didn't necessarily connect in a way that they do at the NHL right. level. Uh, and same with the, excuse me, the same with the AHL level. It's just, it's just a little bit more helter skelter. And whereas you watch at the NHL level, it's just so good and so fast, and the things that they can do on their skates, it's just, it's mind boggling uh, that they don't, that, you know, and, that, and that's the difference. I think the biggest thing is like if you you see people that are good at hockey, and even if you're in playing a rec league game, and it's like they can do certain things and do them really well uh but the nhl players just everything they do and, and at the speed that they do it is just the thing that kind of blows my mind uh and, and you kind of do see it as you go kind of how it gets different uh once you watch it a lot and so I, and i have friends who say you know one of my good friends is like i was like hey come when i was in toledo hey come up for a walleye game and he's like i just can't not watch i cannot watch the sport when it's not at the highest level and i was like well that's kind of silly it's still a really fun sport but i can see what he's saying because it is different it just is but you know the funny thing that's cool about it though as you go all the way around it is uh you know and i, I you meet the guys in Cleveland when I've gone up to cover games uh, there uh, when you're there and I, you know, covering the ECHL, not that I talked to a lot of those guys uh, since I was the editor, but, you know, just still kind of being around the game. Uh, you know, it, it's a, it's a sport full of good people. And that's kind of the fun thing about it uh, is that no matter where you go, uh, it, it never ceases to amaze me. And I, you know, I kind of said it about the Blue Jackets, but it really is true that no matter where you go, I mean, hockey guys are, are really fun guys to be around and uh, down to earth guys. And, and it, it makes it kind of a fun sport to be around no matter uh, where you're at, you're doing it. So true. Like, I, I feel, because um, I went on the road a lot last season and then the beginning of this season, and every team's players, like, sometimes I don't even realize they're players because they just walk past you, they're like, hey, how you doing? And they start chatting with you, and then you see them on the ice during warm-ups, and you're like, oh, you're a member of the Marlies, did not catch that. <laughs> yeah. yeah, it really it really is amazing. I mean, it's, it, especially like with the Blue Jackets, some of these guys, and we brought in some great guys too of late. I mean, like guys like Gavrikov and and Elvis Merzlikens, and you know, you can uh, some of these guys are just beauties. Uh, they're just great. To, they're just so fun to be around. Uh, and, and you know, you see them if you see them at a Clippers game or you see them around, you know, they'll stop and say hi and stuff like that, which is uh, pretty cool because you know, at the end of the day, they're pro athletes and they make a lot of money. So it's kind of cool that they're uh, you know, a lot of them are, are just regular guys as well. Yeah, I guess I'm, I'm so biased because I've only ever worked in proximity with the Blue Jackets. But I just I love knowing that like the guys are so chill and so approachable. And then also like knowing, right, like what the back end is like, like everyone who makes the team function within the organization. It just like really Columbus is so awesome because not only are we like making headlines as far as, you know, surprising everybody and whatever. But then I also feel like we have that kind of like, you know, it's not like we're a team that's the Bruins or, you know, <laughs> someone who's, you know, like you would feel like, oh, could you ever really go up and have a conversation with Brad Marchand or whatever? So anyways, that was just my little interjection. So leading into that, um, I want to know, Jeff, what your thoughts on this team are right now. And it's been a crazy season. And in a very different season, not only with some, you know, like departures of players who are no longer on the team, but just all the injuries and all the holes that have had to have been filled because of those injuries. So I guess I just wanted you to compare what the team is like now versus what it was like even at the beginning of the season. Yeah, I think the craziest thing about it is if you asked me before the year where they would be at the All-Star break, which I think it's 51 games in now, uh, mm -hmm. I, I would have pretty much said this is where I thought they'd be. Uh, it is certainly not how I thought they'd get there. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> it's just yeah this this hot streak of late has been so so incredible to watch and so yeah it's just sort of inspiring to be around a team that just believes it's going to win and that kind of believes in itself uh and I've, i you know i covered ohio state football for nine years and so they always think they're going to win uh but there were certain teams that just had that little bit extra belief about them that you know they thought that they were going to win and they had that swagger and they had that confidence uh and i think the blue jackets have it right now and it's, it's kind of fun to be around but yeah how they got there from where they were 29 games into the season when they won only won only 11 of those games right. uh you know i certainly did not expect you know, you know i said you know they're gonna have to go on a run here to get back into it and boy did they get a, go on a run uh at that point so uh you know they're probably kind of what i thought they'd be you know we knew that they were going to try to play a little bit more defensively uh this season uh we, you know we knew that that they were going to not probably score as many goals because of the guys that were that were gone i still thought they'd score goals but i didn't think that they would score quite as many uh and, and it's, that's kind of been borne out even even in this hot streak they're at about three goals a game uh, and so they're not, you know, they're not pumping in four a night. I thought the goalies, I thought one of them would step up at least. I did not know if both of them would step up. And now we kind of have seen both of them, uh, do that. But I, I knew going in that, you know, Corpus Allo had shown previously, uh, that when he, he's, you know, playing a lot of hockey, he plays really well. Uh, Elvis certainly, uh, you know, coming in had been tapped as, you know, one of the most talented goalies in the world who was not playing in the NHL. So you knew he had talent. Uh, it wasn't like Yarmo was lying about that. So you kind of thought the goaltending will probably be fine. You know, they'll figure it out, you know, as the year goes on. That They'll probably play pretty well defensively. And, and it's just a matter of are they going to score enough goals. And, and it's kind of come together in a weird way. But, it, you know, they've eventually gotten to where I thought they would get. But the thing that you could have never predicted is the injuries that happened and then the way that those guys came up from Cleveland uh, and, and were such a big piece of how this team really stabilized itself. And I think that the, the guys who came up from Cleveland, the, the Jacob Lillias and the, the Kevin Stenlins and the Nathan Gerbys, uh, the guys who came up and were fighting for playing time and fighting for jobs, uh, they were the ones that really helped this team establish its identity, uh, which is not something I would have expected coming into the year. But, you know, they were the guys that came in and, and really kind of, you know, put the balls to the wall and said, you know, we're going to play this way. Uh, and this is the way that the head coach is asking us, and we have to play this way because otherwise we're not going to be here for more than a game or two. And, and really, you know, the, they kind of came together through that. And now it's up to the guys that are going back in the lineup, uh, you know, the Cams and the the Bjorkstrands and the you know Josh Anderson here, hopefully uh, as we go forward, to kind of live up to that. And so far, we've seen it happen with uh, Atkinson and with Bjorkstrand. But you know, I would have not suspected that the, that the monsters guys would kind of be what they rallied around. Uh, but I think that's kind of the way it worked out. And, you know, it, no one will know, you know, I don't know how many more games Nathan Gerby is going to play or Kevin Stenland or uh, Ryan McGinnis or some of these guys that got called up. But uh, you won't be able to tell the story of this season without them. They, you know, what they did for this team uh, is truly incredible. And, you know, they, they will be, uh, you know, if there's a highlight video at the end of the season, they will need to be mentioned prominently in it because of what they did uh, to keep the season afloat. Oh, yeah, especially Gerby. Like, if you had told me this time last year, he would be in the NHL again, I would tell you to like put down the crack pipe because he was so injured. He was, he got injured in the beginning of the season. He thought he was getting better. And then he just astrobated it as the season went on and then ended up having to have that like hip and leg surgery. And he, when he came back at the beginning of this season, I was like, who is this man? He's playing like his old self. It was insane. But when you think about what he had to go through in under a year to get there, it, it blows my mind that he was so resilient and took the time to rest so that he could come into training like guns blazing. Yeah. And well, I mean, guys don't miss as much NHL time as he did. I mean, I forget the last time that he had been basically been a regular NHL player, but it had been three or four years. I mean, guys don't miss time like that and then come back to the NHL and guys don't come back at 32 years old from 
the hip injuries that he had. I mean, those are legitimate injuries uh, to that impact a hockey player. And for him to to kind of overcome what he's overcome and then come back and and Torts has pointed to him is one of the most important guys on this team right now, just the way he plays and, and how hard he plays and, and being a good pro uh, and what he's done, you know, to mentor young guys. I mean, it, it really is a truly incredible story, and, and they owe him a real, you know, debt of gratitude for the way that he's he's chipped in with this team because they would not be as good a team as they have been the last 16 games or last 22 games without Nathan Gerby. There's just no no way around it. I like also how you mentioned how fun it's been because I imagine it's obviously been fun watching this team and the first, you know, month or two of the season, it was just almost whether you want to say dull or whatever the word you would want to use. But yeah, I imagine it was, it's was. it been more fun for sure the last uh, month and change with the streak that they've been on or this run they've been on. I was also curious uh, if you could kind of just sort of like talk about your typical workday routine, whether that's game day or otherwise, because I'm sure you probably have a specific kind of routine that you kind of get into, especially with your writing. Yeah, for sure. Uh, and it, obviously, it is different on a game day versus a non-game day. Um, you know, you know, non. The, the only two things that I specifically have to do that I've been charged with by the team uh, is like, you know, the preview. You mentioned the previews earlier. I have to have a game preview up uh, in the morning, uh, the day of a game, and then I have to have a recap. And then pretty much everything else is up to me. Uh, it, it, there's certain things that you know, from the community aspect, like our, you know, the CBJ Foundation or uh, things like that, that I that I'll have to do occasionally. But by and large, when it comes to covering the team, uh, it, it's really up to me what I want to do. Uh, so certainly, you know, we have generally we'll have practice on days that we don't have games. Uh, and so if it's a home day, uh, that means, you know, the practice is usually at 11 or noon. Uh, so so that means I'm going in. I usually I go in the office about 10 a.m. Uh, if practice is in the middle of the day, go to practice, get whatever interviews I need, and especially make sure I have that preview done for the game day. Uh, and then I, you know, go back to work and kind of transcribe and write and kind of go from there and do that till about three or four o'clock and and uh, head home. And and then sometimes at home I'll I'll have to you know get get a little stuff done. But generally in the office it's like a 10 to three or 10 to four on a non-game day. And then game days, especially this year when we've been having. Uh, the uh, they've been doing a lot of morning skates. Uh, that means you know that's uh, 10:30 skate, 10:30 torts on game day, which means you know I'm in the office at 10 that day and I'm not leaving until 11 o'clock. You know 10:30, 11, maybe even 11:30, depending on how the game goes. Uh, so that means I basically get in uh, to cover the morning skate and cover what torts has to say, uh, and that's at 10:30, and then go back to the office and and kind of work on some other stuff, work on feature stories or whatever I might be doing, uh, and try to get ahead or try to work on something for the next day. Uh, we do have uh, on weekdays, we have a staff game, a uh, hockey game that is either in the ice house or on the main ice, which is always really fun to play in. So that usually happens about one. So I kind of have a little break in the middle of the day where I can actually go out and play some hockey uh, and then get back to the office in the afternoon and, and kind of, you know, just keep working and, you know, do whatever uh, needs to get done for that. You know, those days where there's not game days uh, and, and, you know, they like say feature stories, interviews, whatever it may be. Uh, and then, you know, just get ready for the game and, and be ready to go by seven o'clock, you know, get dinner about five. And, uh, you know, I, I do, t I do tend to be pretty regimented. We always, you know, our, our group always gets dinner right around five o'clock. And, you know, so that means I'm done around five thirty-five, five forty-five, which allows me to go upstairs, uh, you know, kind of get set up in the press box. And then I always like to come down and watch warmups, uh, from the, uh, from the concourse or even down, uh, near the bench area, just to kind of get a feel of, of what's going on around there. Uh, try to get some pictures for social media, stuff like that. And then cover the games. I have to have the game recap done as soon as the game's over. Uh, and then go down for the post-game interviews and get some quotes and add those in. Uh, and that's why I'm still there till 11 as I go back and transcribe and put some of the quotes from Torts and the players into the game recap. Uh, and then go home and, and kind of do it all over again. And then 
Uh, on the road, uh, you know, the routine is kind of a little bit different because we'll usually have an afternoon skate, so we do that. Uh, and then I'm like a player. I try to get a nap in, and then I wake up and take a shower and put the suit on and uh, get on the bus and go to the game. But, you know, and the one thing I always do is I always have two pieces of gum uh, on the bus on the way to the game. That's like my game day routine if we're on the road is the, <laughs> the two pieces of gum. So that's a little bit of the behind-the-scenes look right there. <laughs> in those staff games, uh, have you ever played against Yarmo and just denied him? <laughs> I have not. I played against uh, Bill Zito and Manny Legacy, and uh, uh, you know I, I'm not going to say anything about Bill, but he's a pretty good player, and Manny's a pretty good player as well. But I've made a couple saves on each of those guys. Uh, and, and actually, uh, Freddie Modine showed up last week. I was I was skating out because we didn't need a, another goalie, so uh, Freddie Modine set me up for a goal, which you know kind of felt pretty good. I'm not going to lie. <laughs> Love it. Well, and Jeff, I just want to give you credit, too, for getting those recaps out so quickly after the games. I know that's such a hustle and bustle, but also, I just sit in his ear for almost the whole first period, usually, and just blabber. So, the fa- and he's just sitting there being very responsive and being very conversational with me and so nice. But then he's also, like, writing and tweeting and whatever. So, he really kills it. Ah, well, I appreciate that. And the good news is they kind of let me redo the game recaps uh, when I took over uh, so that they're kind of if you've read any of my game recaps, it goes kind of it's kind of a paint by numbers. Uh, you know, I got like the, the players of the game, the the quick recap, the things like that. Uh, but that allows me since it's a, it's a non-narrative structure, I don't have to necessarily blow it up if the team, you know, scores a goal in the last minute and then wins it right. overtime. Uh, that helps a ton. And the fact that they've let me do that, I think uh, uh, I, I owe my bosses a debt of gratitude because that makes it so much easier as opposed to a guy like Brian Hedger at the dispatch who has to have a narrative flowing yes. thing done when the game is over. The fact that I can just kind of plug and play, uh, that helps me a ton. Uh, the, the fact that they let me do that is invaluable or otherwise I'd probably have a lot more gray hair. Isn't that the worst though? When you, you have this narrative going like uh, last season, the Monsters went into the third period up 5-0, and then they lost 6-5, to and that whole, I had to blow it up. Like, it's the worst. Yeah, no, it, I'm so glad that, that I don't have to do it that way, because I can just keep what I have and add to it, uh, which is nice, because otherwise, yeah, I'd, I'd be pulling my hair out a lot more often than I am. Especially last year, the guy, there were so many overtime games last year. Well, even this year, we've played a bunch of them, but man, you know, those OT games, uh, you know, the, you just never know how they're going to go, and, and boy, can they get frustrating if you're uh, if you're a writer, so uh, I, I feel pretty lucky. The most stressed out I've ever been was last year at New, at New Jersey. There was, we played there in March. Uh, and in our system, our back end kind of ate my story and I was, I was sweating bullets, but I was able to kind of save it at the end. Uh, but boy, that was a, that was a rough one. <laughs> I was, I was going to say, it reminds me of my internship a few years ago in baseball where I had to do all the media marketing stuff. So I had my whole kind of like you, I had the whole routine of going to the stadium at eight and getting out of there after midnight and doing it all over again. And I remember I had to do all the recaps for our games. And I think my uh, my staff was just more interested in the title I would come up with more than anything. But kind of the same thing as far as just putting like a quick thing together. And anyway, yeah, it was interesting to kind of hear what you were talking about with your whole uh, routine game day, non game day, because I could kind of see how how things would differ, obviously, based on what's kind of happening. Yeah, so, for sure. It's 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 uh and but it was fun though too because you kind of get you get different different things and there's different ways. Uh, you know, my my home game day routine is totally different than my road game day routine and and you know and things yeah. like that. So you know, and and when we go on the road and we're there the night before, the you know we always kind of the group of us that travels kind of usually gets dinner and stuff. And so it's it's you know it's, you you kind of fall into the routines, but they help you get through the season. So you've been you know in sports for a while. Who has been your favorite person, like coach or even player to interview? Like of all the teams you've covered? Ooh, boy, that's going to be a tough one because it's, <laughs> first of all, it's kind of hard for me 
to narrow it down to like a favorite because uh you know like because guys are, are favorites in different ways uh you know i could always go to when i covered ohio state i always enjoyed uh there were two guys that, that i really kind of stand out to me um one is jimmy cordell uh who was an offensive lineman back from like 2006 to 2010 uh and ended up being a really good player uh one of the nicest guys you'll ever meet uh and i could go to him and and say you know here's what i'm thinking you know does this make sense or not uh and, and he would always give me a good answer and, and you know we, we've kind of built a, a good healthy bond of respect uh over the years and they're actually uh still remain friends and I, we're actually going to a wedding similar wedding together here of a, of a mutual friend coming up over the summer so that'll be kind of fun and then joshua perry who's now on big 10 network uh but played for Ohio State back, uh, you know, early 2010s through 2015 was on that national championship team uh, in 2014. You know, similar situation where uh, just a great guy, great family. You love talking to him. Uh, you know, he, he would give you good stuff uh, always. Um, and so you, you, the guys you kind of build the bonds with are the ones that are always the uh, the, the ones that, that respect you and know that you know what you're doing, too, are, are always fun. And then with the Jackets, it's a little bit different because, like, you know, like guys like Nick Foligno, I mean, you, you can't ask for a nicer guy that to, to – you know, if you need something, you know, Nick will, will always take the time to give it to you uh, just as genuine as they come. And, and, you know, especially, you know, I feel bad for him because he has to stand up there after losses and be the guy that takes the questions. Uh, uh, and, and he does it like a pro every single time. And so, you know, you really learn to respect those guys uh, that do that. And then, you know, a guy like Gavrikov is just so fun. Uh, you just know you're going to leave that conversation cracking up uh, after you talk to him. Uh, and so you, you're not going to – it's not quite the seriousness of talking to a guy like Nick, uh, but it's, it's all, you, you just know you're going to laugh. And same with Elvis. I mean, you know you're going to uh, – he's going to say some things that you just never expect an athlete to say in a good way, not in a bad way. Uh, and so it's always fun to do that. So, yeah, there's different guys that kind of stand out for different reasons, but there's, there's some really good people that I've met over the years, and that, that's what makes it so much fun. Today's episode is brought to you by Cars.com. With over 2 million vehicles and 50,000 more added every day, Cars.com will match you with the perfect car for you, your budget, your life, your style. And if you're ready to say goodbye to your current car, Cars.com will get you an instant offer to cash it in. Just start by entering your license plate and get matched with a local dealer who will write you the check. So whether you're looking to buy or sell, just go to Cars.com. It's magical. Hello, I'm Neil Patel, the editor-in-chief of The Verge and host of Decoder, a business podcast where I interview CEOs about big ideas, the problems that come from those ideas, and how they make decisions. It is also surprisingly about org charts. It comes up a lot. We're launching a new limited series that we're calling the Centennial Series, where I talk to CEOs of companies that are over 100 years old, like Xerox, Barnes & Noble, and more. There's no 100-year-old company that's without its struggles, and it's been fascinating to talk to these CEOs about which parts of these companies' history are important and which parts they can let go. A little spoiler for you, if a company is over 100 years old, there's a lot of drama to talk about. It's been a good time. You can listen to the Centennial series right in the Decoder feed. New episodes of Decoder are out on Tuesday, and the Centennial series is out on Thursdays. Check it out. We think you're really going to like it. You can get it wherever you get your podcasts. So we actually, you mentioned Allison Lucan earlier, and we had her on the pod recently. And so I was kind of wondering in general, I was wondering if you dabble as much maybe into the analytics as Allison does and does well, like either for your own research or otherwise, because I've kind of wondered, I guess, what the general thought is with analytics and maybe some may like it, some may not. So I was just kind of curious how you kind of viewed that aspect. 
Yeah, uh, it's a great question. I, it, my short answer is I'll never be Allison. Uh, you know, that, that is her, her niche, I guess you could say, and she's great at it. Um, and, and I think, you know, she is a, a, a big proponent of using that data to tell the story. Uh, and, and I'm an analytics guy. Um, I would say that if you think you can just tell the story of hockey and just goals, assists, and plus minus, um, you know, I think you're missing something. I think there's so much more that goes into it, but you just have to keep it all in perspective. You have to, you know, obviously the goal is the most important thing in hockey because that's what determine who determines who wins and loses. And so you, you can't lose sight of how important that is. Uh, but at the end of the day, there's so many other stats you can use to measure just how often a team has the puck or just how often, you know, if a player is on the ice or a certain group of players is on the ice, you know, how much time they're spending, you know, attacking the net versus defending. And I think that helps tell the story of how a guy is playing and how a team is playing. Uh, there's so much noise in hockey and so much randomness. You know, you could wait, wait think about that game against the, the Carolina Hurricanes a couple weeks ago yes. uh, where the, the Blue Jackets, you know, only had. I think I think shots on goal. I forget it was like 34 to 18, uh, Carolina, and then shot attempts was like 73 to 31, Carolina, and the Blue Jackets win that game. And, and you know, obviously they deserve to win. They scored more goals, but you know, you anyone who watched that game knew that Carolina, you know, had more chances, had more shots, had the puck more, uh, and so I, that just goes in. The analytics can kind of measure that in a way that says, you know, if you keep playing like this, it's obviously not going to be good. Uh, you know, you're, you're, you're never going to turn down a win, but at the end of the day, if you look at the underlying numbers, uh, you can tell when you have to play better or else it's probably going to switch and go the other way. So uh, I don't use it as much in my stuff because I, I think it's a broader audience. I'm, I'm writing for everybody. Um, and I think Al, what Allison does is great. I think that I think uh, that if you're a hockey fan who wants to be more informed, uh, I would spend – you know, my uh, time reading her articles. And when I was in football, I, I was a big analytics guy and I tried to be that guy because covering Ohio state, there were so many different people covering it that I think kind of going into the numbers and going into the analytics was a way to kind of differentiate myself. Uh, but with hockey, it, it's, it's, uh, you know, I'll, if I'm doing a player feature and I, and I can see, you know, certain numbers, certain analytics, I think that, that lend to, you know, show just how good that guy is that don't show up in other places. Uh, I'll use them, but I, I'm not going to totally depend on it just because I'm trying to be as big a 10 as possible. Uh, um, and so, it, but I do think they tell you more about the game. You just have to use them wisely and use them in a way that adds context rather than just say, you know, because there's some people out there that want to make it analytics versus what you see with your eyes. And I don't think it's that. I think they both inform you in a way that if you use them both together and use them both uh, smartly, that you can become a better fan and better understanding of what's going on. So, you know, I, I'm an analytics person. I don't use it a ton in my writing uh, unless I think it's useful. Uh, but I think, you know, there's certainly so much there that will help you sort of understand what's going on in the game uh, that, that uh, you, know, you can't turn a blind eye to it by any stretch of the imagination. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And it's something I've been trying to kind of learn more about myself over the last three or four years or, you know, just kind of learn more about and as you mentioned, I, I like seeing kind of what Allison's talking about. Using a lot of her tweets and charts and stuff during games is interesting. All the stuff, the all the colors, kind of showing what's happening. So it's it's definitely fun to kind of uh, try to learn a little bit more about. So I'm gonna switch gears here a little bit and uh, ask you some monsters questions. Um, <laughs> so so do you feel as though moving the farm team closer, um, many states closer, has been beneficial to the Jackets? Oh, yeah, absolutely. Just from an aspect of time. I mean, you hate to 
you know, it's just so much easier to call a guy up now. And, and, and by and large, they see these things coming. So they're not necessarily, you know, very often caught in a panic situation. But uh, it's nice to know that if you do have a panic situation, say it's a game day and, and someone gets hurt in, in the morning skate, you know, you can make that move. And they're at most two hours away. Uh, so I think it's been great. I think it's been great from a, from a rest and travel aspect for the guys that have to make that, that, that change. Uh, the guys that have to go up and down. You know, the, the Marcus Anakinans of the world who have to travel so much. Uh, it's so much. I, I've talked to him about it. It's so much easier for him. Uh, to just go up the highway if, if he gets called up or sent down, you know, and, and same like like guys like Adam Clendenning and now you know Matisse is going through it right now. Uh, I think it's it's definitely been a positive, and I think it builds fan base too up there. I mean, I've got some even some family members who are huge Monsters fans who now are much more interested in the Blue Jackets because of it. Uh, so from every aspect of it, I think it's been a win-win, and I think it really uh, really aids the, the the franchise in so many ways that. Uh, you know, I, I can't say enough good things about it because I'm pretty happy that if I want to go to a game and see what's going on down there, I don't have to fly to <laughs> Massachusetts. I'll tell you that or Syracuse. <laughs> <laughs> right. Um, and you, you've come up a few times in the past few seasons. Uh, what kind of what do you enjoy the most about coming up to Cleveland other than seeing your family? <laughs> uh, I was going to say the lumberjack jerseys were pretty sweet. I, I really enjoyed that. <laughs> Those were so sweet. It was so nostalgic. Oh, absolutely. It, it reminded I'd say it reminded me of my childhood uh, growing up, going to games at that arena, watching the Lumberjacks uh, back in the day. So uh, the thing that's kind of cool is I think you, you learn a lot more about the organization uh, and kind of the development aspect of it when you do get the chance to come up. And, and when I came up there in January, the beginning of the month earlier this year, and, and you talked to uh, Mike Eaves and you talked to uh, everyone involved with the, with the staff there, uh, and Chris Clark was there, and you kind of just, you, know, you, you just build better relationships and get a sense of what's, what's going on throughout the entire organization. And you learn how important that developmental piece is. You know, you, so many of these guys came up this year and didn't miss a beat. Uh, and it just goes to show how hard everyone works. You know, it's not just the guys at the NHL level that make a difference. It's the coaches and the staff and everything that goes on in, in Cleveland and, and throughout the entire world. You know, if, if you want to go down to the scouts and you want to go out to the, you know, the guys like Jarko Rutu who are over in uh, Finland or who's over in Europe and is kind of the development coach there and goes and sees these guys on a regular basis. Uh, it, it really does take so many people to make a, a, a good organization. Uh, and you see it when you go to Cleveland and, and you talk to guys like Mike Eves, who's, you know, so, so, such a hockey lifer and has such great things to say. And Chris Clark, uh, yeah, and Karki's great to talk to, and, and, and you know Jim Corsi's off in there, so you get to kind of catch up with him and see what's going on with the goalies and how hard he works to make those goalies kind of get ready for the next level. Uh, that's the thing that's kind of neat is just the relationship aspect of it and just seeing how hard those people work to make it all go. Yeah, do you think uh, the reason why some of the Monsters have been so successful this season up top is because of the way Coach Eves and uh, GM Clark approach the game with that like shift by shift mentality, that next man up kind of mentality. Like there's a whole new energy this year compared to seasons past. Yeah. Well, the thing that they all mentioned when I talked to them was that they just, they're running the same systems and strategy and, and, uh, nomenclature, I guess you could say is the NHL team. Uh, and that, that was a big thing for them. Uh, for Chris Clark was that when they hired a coach this offseason for the Monsters, you know, they wanted a coach that was going to coach the same way uh, as Torts' coaching at the NHL level as far as, like, systems and style of play um, and, and the words that they use to describe what they're talking about on the ice so that when these guys get called up, you know, they're not, you know, 
a lot of the times they're nervous to begin with because uh, they're rookies or they're guys who haven't played a lot of games and they're trying to make a name for themselves. For them to have to go in and learn, okay, here's what we're going to do today, uh, you know, it can be so overwhelming. And so now these guys, when they get called up, you know, they know what they're getting as far as like, okay, here's how we're going to play. Uh, here's the style. When coach says do this, I know what he means. They've all said that that was a huge thing to kind of change things. Uh, and plus adding Eves, I mean, he's a, he's a teacher of the game. He is. This is yeah, this is a guy that was a college coach for so long. Uh, you know, a longtime NHL player, a, a pro coach as well when he first started his coaching career. But then just to be in college the last 20 years, he's a teacher. Yeah, he's like a teacher of life, too. Some of the things that come out of his mouth, I'm like, oh, okay, you out here changing my life. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. So I think it just makes it, uh, you know, I think the guys are just kind of uh, learning more and just, you know, being taught a little bit more. Uh, and, and the assistant coaches up there is, or in Cleveland as well are great. Uh, so I, I think it's just a really good setup that they have right now in Cleveland that has, you know, it, obviously it's helped because, I mean, the, you can see the results. Uh, when these guys come up, uh, there's not much of a transition period for them. Okay, I have a question that still kind of pertains to the, you know, two-hour drive that a lot of these guys are making all the time. And I feel like under normal circumstances, this would be like a totally, these would be different questions, but I guess this their seasons have become, well, for some of the guys, so blended. I wanted to know what your favorite storyline involving the Monsters and then separately the Blue Jackets, but maybe even together at this point, what your favorite storyline that's come out of this season and all of the bizarre circumstances that have brought this team to where they are now? Yeah, hmm, that's a good question. It's It's hard to... Um, you know, not want to say the, what's happened with Nathan Gerby because it's, uh, I mean, he's just such an inspiring figure mm-hmm. uh, and it's, has now become such a big part of, uh, uh, what this team is trying to do at the NHL level. But for me personally, uh, you know, Matisse Kivlenix is someone, I, you know, I don't want to say I've known him for three years, but I first met him uh, three years ago when he had just signed with the Blue Jackets and was up in Traverse City for the Prospects Tournament. Uh, and he was signed out of the USHL. Um, and, you know, his his first Prospects Tournament was uh, going into the 2017-18 season. And he had just been playing junior hockey, and now he was getting, you know, playing time up there with an, basically putting on the sweater of an NHL team. Uh, and he looked totally overwhelmed, and not on the ice. He looked great on the ice uh, up there in Traverse that first year. But it, life was moving very fast for Matisse that first year. <laughs> um, and then a lot of guys got hurt in Cleveland. He ended up having to play 40 games uh, uh, and basically be their number one for most of the season. And, and you know, he's, he's had some trials and tribulations uh, down at the AHL level. And then uh, for him to come up this year to get that win in New York City, um, yeah, he, he's the he, the nicest guy you'll ever meet. Always has a smile on his face. Uh, always, you know, we'll sit down and chat with you about whatever you want to talk about. Um, for him to go in and do what he did in, in Madison Square Garden and as, as thrilled as he was post game, I mean, he was just radiating happiness and was talking about how he couldn't believe what had just happened. Uh, to me, that, you know, that I'll always remember that. That was really cool uh, for someone to see over the three, last three years how far he's come. Uh, I think that was pretty neat. Uh, that's one that'll always kind of stick with me. So from a monsters aspect, that that's kind of what I would say. And then from a from a team, you know, from the Blue Jackets aspect, I guess, um, just the goalies. I I would say watching those guys go from guys who were really viewed as question marks. Uh, to guys that now they know they can count on. It has been really fun to watch. And, and you know, Corpy, uh, I feel sort of bad for uh, Jonas Corpusalo through this whole thing because he was playing so well. Uh, and then he gets hurt, and now Elvis Mania is kind of hit. And I think some people uh, have kind of forgotten about Corpy. But, you know, he was playing his butt off there uh, for about 25 games. And his teammates love him. He might be one of the most well-liked guys on the team. He might be the funniest guy on the team. I was going to say, he, like, I feel like when Bob was around, like, it was easy for him to be overshadowed, but, like, all of those, like, mid-game videos where, like, kids draw him or, 
Like, he just cracks me up. Like, he could seriously be a comedian if he wasn't a professional-level NHL goalie. Like, um, so I'm glad that he's been able to come kind of out of his shell. I totally agree. How do, how do you feel about, like, Elvis and Corpy kind of sharing that stage, you know, when, when Corpy's back to being healthy? It'll be interesting, won't it? Uh, and, and that's and I say I kind of feel bad for Corpy. I just wonder how this is. You know, there's a lot of pressure on him now. I think when he comes back, uh, that he's going to have to find his game pretty quickly, or else you know you've got the hot hand sitting here. Uh, mm-hmm. and, and it's also clear that the, the you know teammates love Elvis as well and enjoy playing in front of him. And so uh, it won't be hard for them to say if if Corpy comes back and struggles a little bit that they're going to kind of ride Elvis the way that they rode Corpy earlier in the season. And, and you know with 31 games left, they might have to. So yeah, I think the ideal situation is that Corpy comes back, plays really well. Then uh, they're able to alternate these guys and rotate these guys, you know, kind of like the Islanders have done uh, the last couple of years, to where you don't have to tire a guy out, you don't have to start a guy 75% of the time. You can you can maybe split it 50-50, and if they're both playing well, they'll both be fresh for the playoffs. And at some point, you have to make a decision and say this is our guy. Uh, but the longer you can put that off because you have two good goalies, I think is is good for this team in the long run. So I think that's the ideal situation. But you know, when Corpy comes back, they're going to have to play him uh, and and to see how he does. And if and if he's playing as well as as he was. When when he was before he got hurt, uh, you know, then maybe that gives him a lot of options, which I think is good, uh, you, you know, as they come down the, the, the stretch run here of the season. Yeah, I have to say it's nice to see a team, any team in the league, be able to have a, many options at goaltender and see the whole entire team rally around them. I mean, they did it for Matisse and Elvis and Jonas. And I don't I think it's been a while since I've seen one team just feel so comfortable with all of the goalies in the system. That's very true. And, you know, I, I said earlier, goalies are weird. And I can say that because I am one. <laughs> uh, but at the end of the day, I mean, they're guys who are, you know, I said they love playing in front of Corpy. I think they've really come to appreciate playing in front of Elvis uh, just because of his enthusiasm and his competitiveness and how hard he wants to win. And then Matisse is a great guy. And then, you know, we haven't even mentioned Vaney yet. But, I mean, uh, Vaney might be the one of the, the best guys of the bunch. I mean, he's uh, one of my favorite guys to talk to. Uh, just getting to know him a little bit over the since he's come over here this year. Uh, you know, I think they would love playing in front of him as well. It seems like the monsters do for for most of the season so it helps that they're good guys and and you know even though they are a little bit weird in their goalies uh they 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 have they all seem to have the respect of the people that are playing in front of them which is uh you know you just never know how that's going to go because again you know goalies are just kind of a unique breed so you know you, you can tell i think when a team doesn't like playing in front of a goalie and you can tell when they do and i think that this organization you know they've got four guys right now that they like playing with which is great <laughs> Uh, so this weekend was the All-Star game, which is All-Star weekend. Uh, did you watch it, and do you have any thoughts on the weekend? Uh, I did watch the game, um, and I think it, the, the worst thing in sports uh, sometimes that comes up, and it's not the worst thing in sports, but it drives me nuts, <laughs> is like people always say, how do we make the All-Star game matter? The All-Star game does not have to matter. Like It's just an <laughs> exhibition game with the best players in the world. Like You don't have to fix it. You don't have to make it some special thing. Uh, at the end of the day, it's just the best players in the world coming together, going to a, a city for those fans and, and playing in front of them and trying to have as much fun as possible. And that's all it has to be. And I think that's what they do now. I think the skills competition with the new events that they've added and, and now they're tra- embracing the women's wow. game more, which I think is fantastic. Um, I, I think that skills competition is a great night. The game, playing it three on three, it really kind of showcases the skill. You know, it doesn't matter how you play. They're never going to play hard. They're never going to play defense. So you might as well play three on three. You might as well do that little tournament. You know, you can, if you made it five on five again, you know, they're not going to suddenly start playing hard. So there's only so many things right. you can do. So just go with what you got. It's a good weekend. It's a fun weekend. Every team is represented. The fans in that city love it. And you don't need it to be any more than that. Uh, so that's my take on the All-Star. <laughs> I, like, I like the three on three, though. I like that they've done that. So 
Yeah, I like because they did that in the in the AHL first. They tested it out there. And I was like, wow, the NHL needs to do this. It's so much more fun to watch because you don't feel like people are just like phoning it in because it's the all-star game. And then they brought it up top and I'm like, oh God, this is great. I'm so, (laughs) it's so much fun. It's more fun to watch that way because it's faster. They seem to have more fun. And I feel like people are less likely to get injured. (laughs) Yeah, no, I tend to agree with you. And so that's, you know, the only thing that maybe is getting a bit stale is like the divisional format. I don't know. You know, but if you change it to something else, like, you know, it used to be North America against the world. I mean, you could try that again. And I think that would be, that'd be fun. But then after you do that for three or four years, that would get boring. So, you know, you don't really need to do anything to really change it. I think it's a good weekend as it is. Uh, and, you know, it, it's it's fun to be a part of when it happens. So, you know, I, I think that, you know, it was a it was a pretty good weekend for the NHL. I thought, you know, when it was all said and done. All right, so we only have a few questions left, but I got to ask this, and I hope it's not a sore subject, but our guy Dan Parker, you know him, uh, he's, talk- oh, yeah. he's talked about scoring on you five-hole before. Do you have any words for Dan? <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I actually don't have any words for Dan because we are uh, the last game we played on Thursday night, Dan scored the winning goal in the shootout, so I have nothing negative to say about him. <laughs> <There you go. laughs> <laughs> and I and actually I, I mean I love Dan I wouldn't say anything negative about him anyway he's probably scored on me five hole most people have so uh, I have no, no complaints about that but I mean he's you know uh, one of the one of the best guys uh, that I've I've been lucky enough to meet in in uh, rec league hockey and just hockey in general because he's a uh, he's as genuine as they come so I wish we got to play together more often but he's busy and I'm busy but uh, you know I've got nothing bad to say about Dan. Well, I think he'll appreciate the shout out and I just had to bring that up because he's mentioned that before and he seems to be glowingly I think he speaks of it glowingly so. I think it's uh, one of his best, probably one of his best memories, maybe. I don't know, but I just had to bring that up. I will say I have have new pads now, and my five hole was a lot better. So, uh, you know, maybe we need to get him back out there and see if he can do it again. There you go. (laughs) Okay, I have a last question before we wrap this up, Jeff. You talked a little bit about how you started in sports writing and and how you, you got into hockey and specifically in with the Blue Jackets. Um, I just want to know what advice you have for aspiring sports writers who want to be in a similar position as you are right now. Yeah, I mean, I, I kind of touched on it there, but it's it's as much about the people you meet uh, as it is, you know, being good at your at the job. I mean, it helps to be good at the job. Uh, <laughs> I shouldn't say be bad at the job. I don't think that's good advice. But um, I think that when I you know when I was a student uh, at Ohio State, and you know, I think that you know a lot of this advice is geared towards students, but also you know I think a lot of uh, there's a lot of great writers out there who didn't come up through journalism schools and just use their their expertise from things that they've learned from outside of journalism uh, to become very good at journalism. In fact, Allison is one of those people. Uh, who doesn't have a traditional journalism background, but uses her strengths uh, that she's learned throughout previous jobs to become a really good writer. Uh, but it just comes down to, to doing it. I think if you want to be a writer, you just have to write. Uh, and if you, if you write and you do a good job and you meet people, uh, you know, those people will know you do a good job and they'll help you out along the way. And at the end of the day, uh, you know, the, the, the kind of rising tide will lift all boats. Uh, if you, if you, if you meet people and you never say no, when you go out and it's such a weird world because I hate to say, you know, unpaid internships are great because I, you know, I'm not a huge fan of them, but you know, I had to do some unpaid internships when I was younger. Uh, you know, I, I worked for radio stations and did some things, uh, to just kind of get my foot in the door and it, you know, it was a great, it wasn't really great at the time, but, uh, you know, the, the more people you meet and the more you write and the more relationships you build, I think that, that that's, that's really the ticket at the end of the day, because everywhere I've gotten has been because of the help of other people, uh, who, who got to know me and, and, and you know, there are people that, you know, I, I, I didn't, that I would just met along the way and, and were nice to and, and enjoyed being around. 
and and they were you know at the end of the day as long as you kind of pay it forward by by you know helping people out and and not saying no and and being around and just doing it uh you build the relationships up and it kind of goes from there so uh it, it's a weird field and it, it is hard to get into and it, it requires a lot of luck and it requires you know as much being in the right place at the right time as anything else because heck you know if i had graduated from ohio state and there was no jobs at buckeye sports bulletin you know who knows what i'd be doing today uh but i was just lucky enough to end up in the right place at the right time uh so you know there certainly is luck involved but you know i also got that job because the relationships i built and the fact that i covered you know when i was a student i i was at I wasn't just covering football, but I was covering hockey and I was covering uh, soccer and all this stuff and met a lot of people that way. So, you know, it, it, it's it's an effort based thing. I think that if, if you try hard and you meet people, uh, it, it's it'll end up working out at the end or uh, ideally it will be. You know, I, I, so, uh, you know, because I, I, I've been charmed, you know, I, at the end of the day, like I say, I'm totally lucky. So uh, but but I can the things I can point to are the fact that I met a lot of people and built a lot of relationships and, and did a lot of things. And, you know, I spent a lot of time at as much time at Jesse Owens Memorial Stadium covering soccer as I did at Ohio Stadium covering football. So uh, I think that's how you meet people and how at the end of the day uh, that you end up uh, where you want to be. Yeah. And actually I have one more question. Sorry. (laughs) Every time we have a a writer on here, they do mention, you just have to write, you just have to keep writing, but hockey season is so long and the hockey burnout is very real. (laughs) How do you keep from getting, how do you keep from having like writer's block or fatigue during the season, especially like halfway through when it's about to kick into high gear? Yeah, boy, that's a good question. That I don't really know the answer to. I guess it's just become <laughs> it's just become part of what I did. And I guess I I was somewhat lucky at my first job at Buckeye Sports Bulletin that, you know, I had to work. It, it was a hard I mean, it was a hard job. It was 60, 70 hour weeks during football season. But even, you know, after football season ended, there was, you know, recruiting and I covered hockey uh, and there was just so much that needed done. That I just sort of got used to to kind of powering through it, um, and so I don't I don't have any uh, secret answer to that question. I just sort of it's just sort of been what I've always done, uh, and so good, bad, or indifferent. Because you know it, when I was making thirty thousand dollars a year working seventy hours a week, I wouldn't exactly say it was uh, the best. <laughs> it was it was all that great, but uh, you know it was what got me to where I am. So uh, you know I look back kind of fondly at that. It, when your nose was to the grindstone, and I worked with great people there, so we had a blast. But there were definitely times where you woke up and just thought, God, I don't want to do this again today. But you kind of had to. Uh, and so you know, there was no secret sauce other than just getting up and doing it. Uh, uh, I wish I had a better answer for you, uh, <laughs> but it's just become part of, part of what I do at this point because I've done it for so long. Yeah, no, that's actually a good answer. <laughs> I think it helps to love the team that you're writing about and love what you do. And it is hard. I can confirm unpaid internships suck. Um, especially, especially when it's with a professional sports team and you know, you know that they've got the money in there to pay, to, to pay their well, I'm not going to go too deep into that, but I agree with you. You know, we, the, when I was doing an unpaid internship at the radio station in Cleveland, I, you know, they all, I understood that, you know, a little bit more, but yeah. Well, right. But I mean, you put in the hours, you put in the work, you put in the late nights, you know, finishing up after games, but to, to beat that fatigue, especially during a long season is just a big part of it's believing in the team and being excited for them and being excited about what you're writing about. And I'd say, yeah. that's why I'm lucky that I, like I say, I, I work with good people. Like it's fun to go to work every day, even if I'm there, as long as I'm there. Uh, that's maybe been the secret sauce is liking who you work with because yeah. everywhere, I've, everywhere I've worked, even, you know, the, all three places I've worked, I've worked a lot of hours and, but I've worked with great people the entire time that made it not seem as hard as it probably could have been otherwise. And I don't think you're giving yourself enough credit where I think you come up with really awesome feature ideas 
And I, I don't know where you got that, that creativity or that inspiration from, but like I, you mentioned it already, but your piece where you kind of go through the day of someone who, who manages the ice, I thought it was really cool. So um, I think you do a good job with coming up with interesting things that like, if you're an average person, you're like, oh my God, maybe I never even wondered about this before, but it's fascinating to know and makes you perceive the games differently when you go to nationwide and, and are, are watching. So good job. Thank you. And I still get mad, though. Like, the, there was something that um, I, one of the guys from The Athletic wrote last week, and I was like, I was so mad that I didn't think of it. Uh, I, forget, <laughs> I forget what it is now, but, like, I, I think it might have been Tom Reed. It was either Tom or Aaron posted a story, and I was like, oh, man, I would have loved to have written that. Uh, right. So, you know, it's, it happens that way, though. <laughs> You're never going to get them all. Uh, I was just going to say, I love how you were talking about how it's great with the people that you work with, how it could be fun and I can confirm that on my end. Just it's great having a job where you're working with people that you like and definitely makes it go fast or, you know, takes away kind of the uh, the grind of it, I guess. It does. E even at the canon. Even at the canon. It's the great canon. for the most it's part. For sure. For sure. It's always great. No, I love it. But yeah. I do. <laughs> well, I think we've come to the end. But yeah, Jeff, thanks so much for taking the time and. Yeah, well, anytime. I appreciate the uh, the in the invite. It's a good time to uh, a good time was had by all. Hope you get to enjoy some of your your week off. Yeah, well, I'll be I'll be back in the office soon enough. So it, it, it you know, but it's been yeah, nice. Yeah, bye week. Yeah, it's it's nice though to, that the guys aren't around, so it's like I can just go and write. I don't have to because you know transcribing is the worst part of writing. Anyone who doesn't right. knows that. So, oh, so I don't true. have to transcribe anything for the next couple of days. That is my <laughs> gift to myself. Are you going to Montreal this weekend? Oh yeah, we will be right back out of here short soon enough. So awesome. All right, well, I'll see you Tuesday, right? Florida. I, I missed the last uh, Florida game. I, that was New Year's Eve. I took that off, so I'm excited. Excited to see Bob back in uh, Nationwide. I feel like it's been a long break, and it's not even, like, halfway over yet. I know. It is. Uh, it, the good news is that the, uh, the, the season takes forever, but the breaks also feel like they take forever as well, so that's nice. Right. <laughs> <laughs> Make sure you come back to Cleveland soon because we miss you. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> Yeah, yeah, thanks for having me on. I appreciate it. Our theme music is Green Eyes by Angela Purley and the Helen Moons. Find out more about Angela, her newest album, 430, and her current tour dates at AngelaPurley.com. Rate us and leave us a review on iTunes. And as always, we welcome your comments and questions. You can tweet at us at CBJCanon and comment on JacketsCanon.com. From all of us at the Canon, thank you for listening, and we will see you next week. <laughs>